1: Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show that focuses on people and organizations making a difference in North Texas. I'm your host Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan and we start today's show with Pastor Richie Butler of St. Luke's United Methodist Church. Pastor Butler, Richie, how are you doing this morning?
2: Chris, I am blessed, man. I'm doing great to be on the line with you, doc. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we go My way friend. Yes, yes sir. We go way 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 back. I think 3 or 4 or 5 decades it seems. <laughs> it seems yeah. how long we've been around. Back to back when you were playing uh, a cornerback at SMU, back in those Eric Dickson right. days. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. Long time ago, doc. Long time
1: ago, man. Well, speaking of the world of sports, there's a huge event going on later today. In fact, it happens all day. At Paul Quinn College, it is Together We Ball. Can you tell us a little bit about the sixth annual Together We Ball, the pastors and the police getting together playing some basketball?
2: Yes, yes. You you know, Chris, uh, there are things that bring us together, and sports is one of those vehicles Mm -hmm. that bring people together. And so we decided over six years ago uh, to – use basketball as that vehicle given all the challenges between law enforcement and community uh, and so we established together we involved pastors police uh, commit and community leaders basketball events so literally the police pastors community leaders we have business leaders we have politicians we have educators who who will suit up and play basketball uh, with law enforcement and clergy and and it's competitive and you know this because because you're one of our chief ambassadors for the Together We Ball that you've been with us since the inception.
1: Man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've been fortunate enough to MC all of those ev- all of those games. And again, this thing has grown and grown and grown. And it, initially, it was at Fair Park. It was at a nice gym at Fair Park, and everybody had a ball. And now, oh my goodness, it is at Paul Quinn College. At their new basketball facility, which is outrageous, this this new basketball facility it's a, it's a multi million dollar facility and it is immaculate and it is it's, it's amazing. How were you able to get the transition to Paul Quinn College?
2: Well, first of all, President Sorrell, who's a dear friend, and you know he has participated and played in the game over the years, and so we've talked uh, about you know one day hosting it at Paul Quinn, and when they got the new Uh, gym uh, facility completed with that gorgeous uh, court, Um, you know, I think we agreed this is the time. And, and, you know, we took a two-year hiatus from the pandemic. This was the right time to come back at Paul Quinn. And what Paul Quinn represents to our community in the way of education and taking uh, those who potentially could be left behind and left out, and they ensure that everybody has access to a great education, and also mobilizing resources from all over North Texas to support, you know, education for all students. It was just appropriate for Together We Ball to be at Paul Quinn uh, this year.
1: It's absolutely free, and again, I suggest if you haven't seen the new facility, you can check it out online at www.projectunity.net. www.projectunity.net, if you want to take a look, at the sparkling brand-new facility, this multimillion-dollar facility where Together We Ball will occur later today. There's lots of activities today. you got, starting at 10 a.m., Youth Skill and Drills Camp, a high school exhibition game, the community resource fair, uh, the community court activities and pregame draft, and then at 4 o'clock this afternoon, it's the big game. Can you talk about some of the things that are going on outside of the big game? Because it has grown over the years, and it's it's just about like a festival, and you've got all kinds of partners involved as well.
2: Yes, yes. So, first of all, uh, the Dallas Mavericks are a major partner, and they are hosting the skills and drills camp uh, for students. And so I think we have we we have up to 60 kids. Uh, and We kept it at 60, but 60 kids will be able to get, you know, uh, teaching and learning from the Mavericks, you know, who, if anybody in this community in North Texas knows basketball and can teach it, it's the Dallas Mavericks. Yes, sir. So They're, they're leading that effort. And then we have the exhibition, high school exhibition games. So we actually recruit different players from high school teams all over North Texas and they will play in an exhibition game. So, you know, and this is, you know, top talent from different schools. So we're excited to have that
1: representation Can I real experience. quickly run down some of the schools that are some yeah. of these players gonna yeah. be playing from? You got players from uh Skyline, North Forney, Mesquite, Lake Highlands, Jesuit, Highland Park, Bishop Lynch, and West Mesquite. It's, it's gonna be a, a showcase.
2: Yeah, yeah, show take showcase of North Texas talent and and then, you know, we have our community resource where we you can learn about uh, different things, uh, related to the community, uh, especially from it from a law, law enforcement standpoint to help educate again to again to help educate our community and and build bridges and relationships between law enforcement and community. And think about this, Chris, many times, especially in African American communities, you know, our interaction with law enforcement is in a time of crisis, something mm-hmm. has gone wrong. Uh, and what we're trying to foster is a time of calm. Where we can build relationships, so when the crisis comes, there is a different response uh, when you're in relationship with someone versus when you're not.
1: Did I'm trying to remember because I've been involved from day one, but it seems to me that together we ball happened right around the time. Of the uh, the tragic Dallas parade shooting, when it was hashtag Dallas Strong, can you can you uh, fill in the blanks on how it, the birth of this this game? Because I think it was right about that time.
2: Actually, it was it was a year before. So we, so uh, one of our fraternity brothers, uh, Sergeant Sheldon Smith, and I. This yes, happened sir. right after Michael Brown, and you know, oh St. National Louis
1: area, coaches. yeah, hmm.
2: yeah. And so he and I started talking about what can we do to, you know, bring the community together. And so uh, Together We Ball is, was not, you know, a brainchild of the police. It wasn't a brainchild of the community. It was a brainchild of law enforcement community coming together to say, hey, how can we work together to, you know, rid our, rid our community of, you know, disinformation and misinformation and improve community police relations. Uh, And so that's really how it was uh, was birthed in in 2015 was the first year, official first
1: year. And you have, like you said, this has been one of these things, especially here in Dallas County, where people in the community can get together with police officers and pastors, youth pastors, and... Get to understand each other. Show some humanity, some empathy on both sides, where everybody could get to understand each other a little bit more and have casual conversations around basketball. Because it's no different than having a casual conversation at the beauty shop or at the at the barber shop.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and then also what it what it fosters is the, the fact that you will see police, community members, clergy all wearing the same uniform.
1: Yes, because it's <laughs> so what it's not the it, it, police versus the pastors. It's everybody mixed it, together.
2: That's right. So so it it symbolizes and represents that we're all on the same team. And 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 also it, it helps us it helps to humanize law enforcement. It also helps to humanize community members when uh as re, as it relates to, you know, law enforcement's perception or, or sometimes understanding of community. So it, it is a humanizing moment and event.
1: You know, uh, some of the different um, municipalities of the police and church that will be participating this year, over the years we've had just about everybody involved, Uh, the Commitment Partnership, the Community Leadership Group, uh, Concord Church, Dallas Police, DART Police, DISD Police, Sheriff Department, uh, Fort Oak Cliff, Paul Quinn College, St. Luke's Community, UMC, um, Sunlight Missionary Baptist Church, the Wesley, uh, uh, White Rock, UMC, Woodbine Development Corporation, all kinds of different, like you said, civic leaders, police officers, sheriff department officers, DART police, as well as pastors and all kinds of youth in all the different community groups, as well as the police athletic leagues. Everybody's involved. And I know that you've had buses bringing kids from the past. Will that happen again this year?
2: Yes, yes. We we have kids coming in for, the again, the skills and drills program, uh, we have, uh, so we'll have kids coming in, you know, we've had a drum line, so we'll have a, a high school drum line in place as mm-hmm. well. So, I mean, it, you know, if you, if you want to talk about a festive event, uh, this is, this is what, this is the place to be. <laughs> this is the place to be.
1: Right. And that you were talking about the youth and skills and drills camp is for kids ages sixth grade through eighth grade. And again, it's absolutely free. If there's nothing going on in your life today and you want to go to have some fun and fellowship and get a chance to meet a lot of different people, and we're talking about the civic people, well, today is the day at Paul Quinn College um, here in Dallas. I mentioned civic leaders. Over over the years, we've had different mayors even show up and participate and shoot free throws and city council members and, and, and people showing their love for the community. Can you talk about some of their, their participation over the years?
2: Yeah, over the years. So, for example, uh, you know, Ken Hirsch, who who is the president of the Bush Institute mm-hmm. uh, over at SMU, you know, he he participated in the uh, free throw shootout and nearly won. Uh, so, uh, I think there 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 are surprises, you know, in store for you if you come to. the together we ball because you 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 think you might know who who's going. You know, show out, show up, and show out and. It will surprise you like the past few years, you know, Sheriff Marion Brown has won the old, the old school free throw. Competition. Yes. She's back uh, this year so, too. You know. Yes, she is back. She is back. And our, and our host also will be participating. So I think they're trying to get Sint Marshall president of Dallas Mavericks to shoot a free throw and see if, if she can win or president Sorrell or, you know, chief Eddie Garcia. So yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's going to be competition across, across the board. Uh, not just the game itself, but, you know, the three-point shootout, is it shoot competition, as well as the free throw competition.
1: It is an excellent event. And, again, sometimes people don't know because things are under the radar and also because you mentioned the pandemic. We're on the backside of this pandemic, and the pandemic slowed it down as far as the momentum of, of people being aware of this event. And this game is so crucial, and it's it's so exciting. And it's a lot of fun, and it's an all day affair. Begins at eleven a.m. today, and the uh, big game itself tips off at four in the afternoon. Together we ball at Paul Quinn College. I, I mentioned you know the different civic leaders. I remember uh, one year, uh, former mayor Mike Rollins was there while he was the mayor, and he made a free throw. I was like, everybody lost their minds. It was it was, yeah. I get yeah. across yeah. the board. I just thought Project Unity put together a great, great event, and it just deserves to get all the accolades. And, Richie, again, um, I can't say enough about it, not just because I've been there to participate and be involved, but I just think it's just one of those things that actually brings people together.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's the very essence of what Project Unity is committed to, is bridging divides. We believe what unites us is greater than what divides us, and we leverage every vehicle, whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's food, to bring people together. To, you know, to attack the things that challenge our community. We're we're not just coming together to sing kumbaya. We are coming together so that we collectively can uh, be a force of social change in making our city, our state, our nation a better place for all people. And that really is the, the, the commitment on the part of Project Unity. And everything we do is under the auspices of our Together We Program." So, like, Together We Ball, we have a uh, food and dinner conversation called Together We Dine, where oh, we yeah. bring people together, have safe, courageous conversations about race mm-hmm. and other social topics. You know, we have our Together We Seen concert where we... Partnered with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, and it is a night of unity where we have a 200 voice unity choir, 60 piece orchestra, and it is just, you know, it is mesmerizing and, and transformational. And that's what music, music does and, and, and can be for society. Our Together We Learn, where we actually train students and people on how to interact with law enforcement. And the program was so significant and important that Senator Royce, State Senator Royce West, put forth a deal uh in the in the in the state senate that there is now a law that requires high school students to be trained on how to interact with law enforcement and as that was a result of project Unity's leadership and work so so we are bridge builders when the pandemic happened chris man you know we were kind of people trying to figure out how to how to respond Mm
3: -hmm.
2: we launched together we test and we literally started testing in areas Uh, where we would classify as health and testing deserts, where people were not getting access to testing. And so we propped up five churches in the community and had a a testing site every day of the week for people to go. And then we transitioned when we got a vaccine to together we vaccinate and got thousands of people vaccinated. So project, I'll say this, if there is a problem, we are going to be the source uh, for a solution to that problem in our society.
1: We're talking with Pastor Richie Butler of St. Luke's United Methodist Church and Project Unity in particular. Project Unity is a collaborative movement based on the faith-driven belief that what unites us is greater than what divides us. And the core focus is building a sustaining community, building a sustaining community. The mission is fulfilled through dialogue, community-building events and activities, education and empowerment. It's, it's a it's been a very very bold project, and you guys have been doing Project Unity. How long?
2: Uh, we founded Project Unity uh, in 2014. Uh, it's going on eight years
1: now, over eight years. Yes, yes. It, it's been and an amazing. Growing, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I was just saying, we and we're 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 growing, and and we are we are we have become what I call a diversity, equity, inclusion. A solution for corporations throughout Together We Dine. I literally am hosting Together We Dine at, you know, with corporations like a Toyota and Lenox International, PricewaterhouseCoopers, mm-hmm. et cetera. So uh, we're, we're in that space and we're in the space of community police relations, trying to help, you know, reduce crime in high crime areas and, and also ensure that, you know, everybody is treated fairly when they interact with law enforcement. So we are, and, and we're you know expanding not just in north texas but but nationally and even even globally so it it is exciting and part of my long term vision for our together we ball is where there is an nba team we want a together we ball to be in that community so hey that's so very coming, logical I'm, we're coming we're coming after the nba uh, as a partner
1: <laughs> it, <laughs> it's a natural partnership i can just see that yeah. because especially when you see how like this summer you just heard about different NBA players showing up, LeBron showing up at the Drew League, or or uh, yeah. uh, Donald Mitchell showing up at Rucker Park. Everybody hears about the guys working out, and then they show up at a gym where everybody in the community is already playing basketball, and it's just become a, a big scene. So it's just a natural, to me, a natural transition that the NBA would be involved with a Together We Ball in every single NBA city, and there's 30 of them, I mean, or not 30 yeah. cities because the Clippers and the Lakers are the same city. 29 cities, 30 different teams. I just I just think it's a natural fit. But back to Together We Dine, because I want to spend a little time with that. I think that's okay. so huge and so important. I remember a few years ago you invited me to participate in it, and the location was Highland Park United Methodist Church. And I was absolutely blown away that you had people of all different backgrounds, all different races, all different ages all men women all kinds of people and they were having dinner at different tables and the topics of the conversation were brought up where people were learning to understand each other can you talk about how you came up with that concept and the success of this particular program with project unity yes um so
2: this was and again everything we do is in collaboration with with others so the Dallas bar association under the leadership of Rob Crane in 2017 he was the president of the bar we came up with the together we die program and it was we wanted to create a space where people could have safe conversations where it was it was non-threatening it was non-judgmental but to allow people to to express themselves and to also help us humanize and start to understand the other So the Together We Dine is simply an exercise in listening. And so everyone gets a a question that they're supposed to answer, and that question may be, when was your first encounter with racism? Everyone else's uh, job at the table is to listen to your response. No crosstalk. We're not trying to debate each other. We're just trying to listen and hear each other and to humanize each other. And then the next person gets their question, and again, their question it's something else, but everybody else's job is to listen to their response to their question. And literally, as you go around the whole table, you know what it does. It allows us to see each other for who we are. That we are all that we're all human, and that uh, if we can recognize that our humanity and see the humanity in each other, then we can begin to move to a different place of engagement and really start to work through some of the the daunting challenges that face us as a society. And so that's the commitment, and that's why, you know, so many organizations and companies and groups are leveraging our Together We Dine mm-hmm. as a vehicle to engage their their constituency around tough conversations because we you literally can have a real, authentic, genuine uh, conversation around something that most of us want to avoid, like the plague.
1: You know what's wild about this, Richie? I just thought about this. I remember back in the day, people used to say, well, let's get together and break bread. That's literally yeah. what's going on. People just don't do that anymore, and this is a great opportunity, like you mentioned. And now different corporations are saying, you know what? This is a way that people can talk as opposed to going to a seminar or going to a speech yeah, yeah. somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and Chris, you know what's so powerful? Um, we all know... Uh, you know, listening to someone is great, but an experience is what transforms and changes us. Yes. You know, I can read about going to Africa, going to some, you know, faraway place, but if I go there myself and experience it, it changes me. And that is the beauty and the power of our Together We Dine, is that we create an experience that can be transformational.
1: What do you think is the second most impactful? You mentioned... um the uh, Together We uh with the with the police and and the students. What was that that oh, was Together We Learned. Together we learn. Is that the second yeah. most impactful or what do you think is the second most impactful Project Unity uh event that you guys do? Um uh,
2: that 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 probably may, is is the yeah, probably the most the second most impactful. I think our Together We Done is definitely the most impactful uh, you know, and Together We Learn be, because you know, we are trying to, you know, reduce the number of, of you know, officer-involved, you know, encounters.
1: You know what it's? A, it, I'm going to just go ahead and say, it. misunderstandings, because that's what it all happens. Yeah. Either the police yeah. are not familiar enough with the people they're pulling over or the people that are being pulled over are not familiar enough with the police and they don't understand each other and something bad happens.
2: Yes, yes. And and if, and if we and if we all have an understanding in terms of rules of engagement, you know, so for example, if 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 I make a certain move, what what does that trigger or what does that signal to the police officer? And so trying to make sure we understand each other is so so critical so that we can de-escalate situations because you think about think about it a number of these incidents are born out not because someone had a had a a, a weapon not that they were committing a crime. I mean, just regular, you know, they've been pulled over for, you know, you know. Speeding or Turning whatever. right when they, you know, yeah. at the wrong time or it, it, it was. Running it was through a stop sign. Minor. Yeah. Yeah, it was minor. Minor. Somehow it just escalated. And so we we want to use tactics to de help people you know, develop skills to deescalate, whether that is the citizen. Because mm-hmm. sometimes in, in, in our Together We Learn program, we literally put students in a car and we do an actual simulation and, you know, trying to help them understand when the officer isn't, you know, being, you know, uh, isn't doing the, the, his job the way he or she should do it, how do you respond? Um so how do you de-escalate when an officer who's trained doesn't do that? Uh, and, and so we, we're trying to arm and help people, you know, again leave that situation uh, safely, safely uh, so that you know no, no, no one is harmed, and um, and and we can we can take it to we can take it to court or you know file a report or something if we need to address it in another manner. But that that is so so critical, and to make sure that every and the fact that there's a law to make sure that every student is is equipped to handle these situations and not just students but
1: adults as well anyone anyone who yeah. who has a fear of being pulled over and there are people who are afraid to get pulled over because they don't know what might happen and yeah. a lot of people yeah. of color feel that way they do not know which police officer they're going to get the one that understands yeah. or the one. That oh oh my goodness I ran into the wrong guy,
2: yeah yeah yeah. So so we, we that, that's what we're focused on. I th-
1: I love the together we love uh, learn. I love together uh, we ball and I love of course together we dine. Is there a program that I haven't mentioned that you think needs to get some shine?
2: <clears throat> you, you know, one of the things we are looking at at doing, um, and it ties to our to to these programs. And and that is, uh, we are we are working on leveraging technology so that we can reach a broader base of people. Yes. So for example, to be able to take our together we learn and do a virtual uh, gaming component where students actually get to you know play a game. Oh my that goodness, that's perfect. Educate. So, so that's all just, the kids are.
1: They're all on games. They're 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 on video games. They're on NBA Two K or Madden or uh. uh just name them uh, all from the youngest to the oldest Minecraft. I mean, I can go on Fortnite. Uh, how about, uh, I mean, just all of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we're working on that technology. Uh, uh, and we're, we're, we formed a partnership with SMU and the Gill hall, uh, program that one of the top gaming.
1: Yes, they are in
2: the country to, uh, to, to develop that type of technology that we can, uh, we hope to roll out across the country and, and just a help to, further educate, and create experiences that transform people.
1: You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I'm highly aware I met the professor of of gaming technology over there at SMU. Uh, He's Asian, and he was telling me all about their program and how they have scholarships that they offer to kids. And also I found out that about at Arlington Convention Center, they have remoted that thing to be the second largest gaming viewing headquarters Anywhere in the country, right behind Los Angeles, and I was like, yeah. "You've got to be kidding!" Then I also found out that gaming is a four billion dollar a year industry, and it's only growing. And so, yes. Pastor Butler, <laughs> I think you've, I think you're going in the correct direction if you want to reach a lot, a, a segment of the population that could actually use this information.
2: Yes, yes. So that's that's our vision and and, and commitment, man. This is so wild
1: because people, you know, you're talking about, you know, together we ball and you know, all the different NBA cities, I kid you not, almost all professional athletes, no matter what the sport, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, golf, they all are gamers. If they're under the age yeah. of 35, they are major gamers in their part-times. It's an absolutely yeah. amazing thing. I think I think you found a road uh to broaden your reach.
2: Yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's our vision, man. So, um, so we're, we're, we're excited about what we're doing and we're excited about where, where we're headed. And I always tell people the work that we do is, is hard work and hard work. Yes, so it is. It's, you know, it's, it's not, you know, you're, it's, it's, um, it's not easy. Uh, we take, we take on tough, we you know attack tough issues and and things that people don't want to address or 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 there's controversy around it but we do it in a way that builds and not tears down
1: exactly it builds and it does not tear down it's not confrontational it is actually inclusive and it's i like all the different projects and one of the things that we mentioned early on is faith driven which means there's a lot of churches involved and over the years, they've always said that North Texas or Dallas-Fort Worth is the buckle of the Bible belt. And you've got so many <laughs> churches involved. Can you yeah. talk about the role that the different faith-based communities that you you know, you know got together with to be a part of Project Unity and, and how much that means to their organizations as well? And I, I especially say this because I look up all up and down I-20, downtown Dallas, uh, in, in the different suburbs, and all these mega churches, I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of people to go to church.
2: Yes, yes, yes. And 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 it's a great place uh to to mobilize and to get people to engage in in good trouble, in the words of John Lewis. Yes, the late and, great John and Lewis. So, and and so that that is, you know, part of what we do. For example, our first Together We Dine was was held at Holland Park United Methodist Church. And let's, you know, just be honest when we think about you know, the history of, of Dallas, you know, Holland Park is not perceived as the, the place where you would be talking about race, but uh, that that just sends a signal and a message that, that there is a commitment on the part of the church to lead and not follow when it comes to these matters.
1: Yes, I, I like the fact that you're trying to engage as many different groups as possible, whether it's faith-based, whether it's major corporations, whether it's, Uh, First responders, um, I just think it's a great thing that we're looking to take. Put it like this. I like the fact that you're trying to get unity and trying to help the kids because this is where it all begins. You want to be able to encourage kids and everyone from kids all the way to, you know, our seniors to engage, to have empathy, to be involved, to learn about each other and make your communities better. Yes. Yes, and today's
2: that, that, a, and our, no. Go right ahead. Uh, I was just going uh, to say that. I was going to say you, you you hit the nail on the head, Chris. You know, you you just you uh in the church we just say you know that's where a man belongs. Right, right with what you said. So
1: <laughs> yeah, well today's like I said, a great day. For uh, a lot of people after church, you know, some people may not be attending uh, church today. They might be attending a uh, bedside Baptist. They might be just waking up yep. at the same time later today, beginning at 11 o'clock, all the way through the big game, which tips off at 4 o'clock. You've got Together We Ball at Paul Quinn College. Uh, Pastor Butler, is there anything else about today's event that you want to make sure we mention? You know, just
2: want to encourage people to come out. Oh, one other thing, uh, I'm I'm excited the, the new uh, basketball coach at SMU, uh Rob Lanier, is going to be joining us. So I think Excellent. he's gonna be one of the he's gonna be one of the, the coaches. Uh just got that co- you know, we got that confirmation a few days ago. So What do you excited. say? There's
1: always some surprises that together we ball this all you That's never right. know who That's may right. show up. Well Pastor Butler it's always a pleasure to have you on. We will have you on again soon because we got to keep up with Project Unity. You guys are doing outstanding things. Pastor Richard Butler, St. Luke's United Methodist Church here on Better Living. Thank you, Pastor Butler. Thank you, Chris. And joining us now is Kathy O'Keefe. She is the CEO of WTFWinningTheFight.org. Kathy, how are you doing this morning? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, for sure. And let me explain something here WTF Winning the Fight is a nonprofit. That provides drug education, support, and necessary resources to youth and families that suffer from the de- disease of addiction. Now, now I know you started WTF after you lost your son Brett, and can you Correct. talk about his accidental drug overdose? But before we start, you got to kind of salute him in a way because you say he used to, in a loving way, he used to say. WTF. And everybody has their own meanings for WTF. And I think that's actually clever in this day and age of social media to call this nonprofit WTF winning the fight.
4: Well, that that all comes with a story in itself. So um, our son started substance using probably around 14 Mm -hmm. and he started with it kind of turned into cigarettes that were illegal cuz he was too young and then went to alcohol and then kind of just upgraded from there and his last about 18 months maybe maybe 15 months um he got into heroin and this was like 2010 so he wow. was the beginning of that heroin run mm-hmm. and um he overdosed three times and he died on the third overdose and so we knew immediately that we were going to do something. I mean, we were actually in San Antonio and we got a call from there saying that he had died. So we had to pack up and come home. And all the way home, I just kept thinking, I know we have to do something. We couldn't save breath, but we can help people. So when Ben and I kind of sat back and said, what did we lack? We realized that we lacked education. We took a lot of things for granted. Um, like our son doing drugs. We never thought he'd do that.
3: Mm-hmm. A lot of people um,
4: don't then, know. Then, you know. They the don't know the th- signs. No, no. And it just we didn't understand that there was heroin in the community. I mean, there were so many things that we didn't understand. And um took for granted. And so we kind of sat back. So the education was a huge part of what we lacked. We also lacked resources because when every step we took was brought we didn't know where to go next. And then the last thing we lacked was support. And because it's such an ugly disease, and it's embarrassing. I mean, at the, at the front end, we were embarrassed because his behavior. But now we understand his behavior was actually the, the drug addiction, speaking, not our son. Mm-hmm. But um, So we decided, let's take those things and start an organization, and that's all we're going to do and so that's all we do we educate support and resources and brett was very well known for saying what the yeah what the f in a very kidding and loving
1: manner right kids and, kids say that all yeah. the time
4: yeah, it, it, it was loving. And so here we we're at the funeral, and all these people were coming up to speak. And I don't know if they did it. One did it, and then they all followed suit. But after they all spoke, and they said, and in the words of Brett O'Keefe, what the F? And I'm like sitting next to the priest going, oh, no, what is this? Hmm. But the reality of it was it was loving for him, but it was a common thing for all of us to say while he was using because you're just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So we decided to um, use the WTF, but we turned it around to winning the fight. And uh, it's funny because it took on WTF now t- takes on a different aspect for so many people. Mm-hmm. So many people. Even my mother, my 92-year-old mother was on Facebook the other day, and she, she said, oh, Well, I know what WTF stands for. <laughs> <laughs> and... It, it was just too cute, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an inside thing.
1: Yes, inside yeah. thing, but it's it actually, like you said, it, it fits the cause. And I, 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 I kind of chuckled about it because literally, a long time ago, you know, I would say MF, right? And right. people, oh, you can't say MF, and I said, well, MF stands for my friend.
2: <laughs> oh, there you
4: go.
1: So I, I kind of flipped it, and I was like, <laughs> okay, so. You flip WTF to winning the fight and it's such a worthy cause because, because again, a lot of parents, especially it's almost like they don't want to talk about it. It's almost like mental health awareness. They don't want to talk about it, but it happens and it happens in an insidious way because kids, you know, peer pressure. And the next thing you know, because what, what are kids, they're all about being afraid of being judged. And so they wind up doing things that their friends do to fit in and, and that's sometimes how things kids get addicted.
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I tend to call it a peer acceptance, not pressure, because nobody really pressures them. Right. But peer acceptance, because we all want to be accepted somewhere. hmm And, you know, a lot of kids, especially for Brett, Brett was a pretty good athlete. But um, when they start drug testing, it was kind of like, okay, that's not going to help because he was smoking pot. hmm And, And also he did very poorly in school. So even beyond the drug testing, um, if you didn't pass, you didn't play. So they took away what he kind of balances himself out with. And
1: that was sad.
4: That was really sad.
1: Yeah. So after he passed away and you, you decided to start a nonprofit and get the word out and try to support, you know, families and youth that suffer from the disease of addiction. Can you talk about the process of getting winning the fight started and some of the things that you encountered along the way? Because I I know you run into a lot of people who said, Oh my goodness, we're going through the same thing. Or you might have also had some challenges on, okay, there's a lot of nonprofits out there that may address drug addiction.
4: Well, there's not a whole lot out there that address drug addiction, but we did run a, a, across a lot of blocks, let's mm-hmm. say. <clears throat> so when we kind of talked about it, we I brought all of Brett's friends in. I probably had... 15 to 20 kids in my living room and I put brown paper up on the wall and I just got a marker and said okay let's start at the beginning what are we going to call it and then we kind of got that you know what are the colors what is this what is that what do you guys need because let me be the conduit to what you need and they decided they didn't want a 12 step meeting they wanted this they wanted that And it was funny because then I said well what days would we meet and they were like well Tuesday Wednesday Thursday or Tuesday Wednesday Friday and I was like no we're not doing W Days too. right but anyway so we <laughs> oh my goodness it just, it just hit me oh, yeah. That it just hit me that,
1: yeah it was perfect
4: and <laughs> yep. so all of a, so they kind of structured it and then i became the conduit to it so we started having meetings and it was really kind of interesting because it all happened our first meeting was a couple days before halloween so i get to the meeting i'm all excited the kids are I and everything, and I brought all kinds of candy, and nobody showed up, and I ate all that candy. And then the next meeting, they all showed up because Halloween's pretty big for those kids. <laughs> and so um, they showed up to the next meeting, and then, you know, I didn't know where we were going with it. These kids didn't even know how to do a resume. All they knew how to do was drugs, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of started working in that direction, and then once a month, we brought the parents in. And the kids, when kids are sober and not using, they share. They share and share and share. So they'll, you ask them anything, they'll tell you. Yeah. So it was really helpful because we ended up building these little blocks where the kids were sharing, the parents were supporting, and we were educating everybody. And it, it really was kind of like this nice little triangle that we were building. And then all of a sudden the kids started doing what they do, what they do when they get sober. And get into recovery. They start getting jobs. They go back to school. They they they're, they become responsible. And all of a sudden, they weren't coming to the meetings anymore because they were busy. And the parents were like, "Well, we want to come." And so we kind of opened it up and started working with
1: parents. What's made this thing work is allowing kids to open up and parents to listen. And if the parents listened, they learned. In other right. words. Once upon a time, our grandparents used to sit around the, the dinner table with the kids and with their kids, and they'd get to learn about what's going on in school that day or what happened, you know, after school or what's going on in their lives. But now, you know, kids get the fast food and they go up to their rooms and nobody knows what's going on. Have you found out that that you're kind of filling a void, especially in the teenage years?
4: Um, yes. And, it, you know, it's so hard for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially after COVID, so everything's tweaked now because oh, yeah. of COVID. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to be it's going to be tweaked for years. Mm-hmm. Well, we will not know the outcome of COVID on our young children, like the kids that are in kindergarten and first and second grade right now. We won't be able to figure what happened there out for ten to fifteen years.
1: I, I totally agree with you, Kathy. I, let me just go ahead and say this because I've talked to different uh, mental health awareness officials and as well as educators and. The kids having to go through virtual learning and feeling isolated in their rooms and not being able to socialize with their peers and just doing things online, social media, it was very mentally tough on them. I mean, if you think, if you're a parent or if you're just an adult and you're like, wow, I couldn't go to work or I couldn't go to the grocery store or I couldn't, you know, whatever, I couldn't do my regular meetings or do the thing and you wound up you know, feeling depressed or angry or upset or just imagine your kids and them wondering what life is going to be like down the road. And they weren't knowing, whereas adults, you can kind of sort things out because you've been through a few things. But imagine being a, a, a school-age kid or a middle school or a teenager wondering what happens next and you don't even know.
4: Well, and to top it off, I mean, we literally shut down the country, yes. like within days, and it was so scary because they were afraid they were going to die. Right, uh, teenagers if, and you kids go were if you go terrified. Outside, you to put a
1: mask on it. and the parents terrified. weren't really talking to them about it. They're just trying to tell them it's going to be all right. But they weren't really providing a lot of answers because they didn't know the answer. I'll never forget exactly. this. This was the it was in April of 2020, end of May, yep. end of March, and all of April when everything started shutting down.
4: March March 13th the 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 cut down. I think it was March 17th, but March 13th was the last that we did. Yeah. And then we were in for a year.
1: Yeah. So
4: you you know, and it's funny because I was I remember you could walk outside. Okay, so right. all of a sudden it was kind of like walk. Let's go walk, and I would walk around the the community and see all these signs on, in people's front yards, like uh, my graduate is graduating this year, and I'm like, no, they're not. I mean, they may be graduating, but they're missing out on graduation yeah. parties. They're missing they out on graduation
1: everything. Uh, it was just so sad. It was it even was, remember the birthday parties. It was a drive by uh, birthday drive by birthday parties. Yeah, yeah. We did everything we could to try to be normal,
4: and it's not right. It's not normal,
1: right? And so, what it happens with teenagers? Bad. They try to figure out how to cope.
4: Well, and parents did too. I mean, mm-hmm. think about this. The parents were like, okay, I'm stressed out because especially we're all locked up at home. So a lot of people don't, aren't used to that. I work right. out of the house, so I'm fine with that. And it, it was hard for me because I go out to lunch and I see friends and stuff and that's my sh- social. Mm-hmm. I lost my social. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of parents, you know, all of a sudden they didn't even have enough computers in the house for everybody to do their stuff. It was just crazy. And then Parents, you know, you've had a tough day, so all of a sudden they relax and go have a cocktail. So that's, you know, what we were mirroring to our kids was not even healthy. Right. we weren't healthy.
1: Right. People were trying to figure out how to cope. And so it's not surprising, especially for you with, you know, WTF and winning the fight, uh, it was not surprising that teenagers started coming up with different ways of coping behind their parents' back and uh, I guess it was a lot of them doing prescription pills. That became yeah. the more common drug. Can you talk about prescription pills recently over the last five or ten years taking taking control of kids and, the, and their coping mechanisms?
4: So, you know, we have an opiate crisis in the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a whole lot. We have an entire nation that, Everything has to be done right away. We're used to that. Uh, if you have a problem, you yep. need it resolved right away. Instant gratification. So if you have a pain, you go to the doctor and you get a pill for the pain we We pain at we pill everything so all of a sudden we have all these medications in the house, so Covid comes around, and we have all that going on too, so kids are using them, parents are using them. But the reality of it is is um we have an opiate crisis. everything you know it goes back to Purdue farming. Mm -hmm. went back and came out with oxys and you know it just kind of went from there and doctors are prescribing because they were told incorrect information so we're prescribing we're prescribing we're prescribing and then all of a sudden we realized we have an opiate crisis so the DEA says well you can't do this anymore so all these people that have been taking medication prescribed medication safe prescribed medication nowadays um were cut off and where did they go? They were addicted to this drug. It's not like we sent them to treatment or detox to get the drug out of their system. We just left left them, and so they started looking on the streets for for things. And they were buying oxy's off the street, and then heroin's much cheaper than the oxy's. I mean, oxy's got pretty expensive, so they started buying heroin because it's basically the same drug. It's just, it's an opiate. Mm-hmm. So we we have this problem with the with the whole heroin thing kind of came up and bit us in the butt. And now we're really, really hurting over um, fentanyl. Fentanyl is really hurting us right now. I yeah, mean, fentanyl like is wiping. the, it's it's the
1: secret hidden drug, but it's like it's killing people left and right and a lot of teenagers as well. In fact, you have the stat on your website, the Center for Disease Control um, declared in 2020 Eighty-seven thousand two hundred people died from drug
0: overdoses.
4: Okay, so here's the stat for 2021. The CDC just came out with it. In 2021, six hundred twenty-two people died from drug overdoses. That's two hundred ninety-five people a day, or one person every four point eight eight minutes. When wow. Brett died, it was one person every like fifteen to eighteen minutes. And he's only been dead 12 years. Wow. I mean, it's scary.
1: It's very scary. and so Really scary. So winning the fight, you're there. You're here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Can you talk about what you guys have been doing recently? And we're going to talk about the documentary in just a minute. But outside of the documentary, can you talk about some of the things that you've been doing and some of the things that you've seen where it's been beneficial for families?
4: Um, so we've been working
3: – it
4: you know, it's funny. I, I used to have the years I – of mean, years ago, people would call me and go, okay, I just found out my kid's smoking pot. And you're like, okay, let's – you know, and parents pre out, and they're kind of like, i got to get him to rehab. And you're like, no, they don't really need to go to rehab for pot. Um, it's a little different now. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it, it just – it wasn't a good idea. Right, it wasn't right. a good idea. We could work through the pot. Um, it's not like that anymore. But the kids are – They have such an abundance of things available to them. I mean, you can get drugs on the street anywhere, literally anywhere.
1: And online.
4: Well, and that's the whole thing. You know, when Brett used to buy. Okay, so Brett was a heroin addict. So he would literally, and he didn't drive, so he he needed to get a ride in a car and all that. How old was he when he he passed away? He had just turned 18. Oh, my. So um, when he would wake up and he needed opiates in his system because he was sick he was in withdrawal and he didn't have it he'd wake up sick and he'd have to go get get heroin well his heroin he chose to go to, down to fair park to get heroin mm-hmm. and that that's a whole other avenue because he would need it to get a ride down to fair park he would have to find money um he'd get the money he'd get the thing and in fair park um they needed to get they needed to grab a homeless person or somebody to take them into the Mm neighborhoods safely. So they would have to do that. And then they'd have to pay the homeless person and they get their drugs and then they go do their drugs. And that was kind of like a everyday thing. Well, now it's completely different and COVID kind of created this on its own. And we're embracing it from, from a civilian standpoint, you know, we want we want food from a restaurant. We don't feel like to the restaurant. We just do Uber Eats and
1: right. you
4: know, we pay for it by Venmo or credit cards. Well, the same thing's happening with drugs right now. So they can literally go on to Instagram, TikTok, anywhere. They can go on to any social media and buy their drugs.
1: And the, and, it, and when, have them delivered to their home as if it's a it's a delivery service like Amazon or Uber.
4: Exactly. That's exactly FedEx. it. Uber delivers it and they pay by Venmo. Hmm. So it's a completely different thing now. So you're not. In other words, the taking, drug hey, trade off.
1: took the pivot too. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
4: As they should have. They had to too. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so that whole that whole thing has changed. So I never had to worry about Brett buying drugs on Instagram. Right. Um. He, you know, he traveled all the way down to Fair Park for his drugs from Flower Mound. It's not like that anymore. Nobody's mm-hmm. traveling for it. It's being brought right to you, which is
1: really scary. Mm-hmm. So It's just too convenient. So how are you able to help families cope or uh, at least understand what's going on and, and, you know, as you mentioned, educate them about the disease of addiction?
4: Right. So we use, education huge for us, mm-hmm. and we use every avenue we can. We have a really good website. And we have a really good Facebook. Thank you. Thank you. And we're working at it all the time. We're coming up with more and more tools for families. But we have also a very good Facebook. And that Facebook, what I do is I just find everything that's going on. I try to do more local because it pays more, you know, like what's happening here versus what's happening in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. But it goes across the board regardless. So I find what's going on and we put stuff out there. And then we also do programs. And now that we're, you know, we're not tied to COVID anymore, we're back to meetings. So that helps a lot because a lot of people just were so zoomed out. Mm -hmm. So we do our meetings. Um, We do like we just did a program the other day where we showed our documentary and then we had DEA. The local police department and recovery resource come in and they did a panel discussion and let our community know what is being seen in our community in Flower Mound. And we're going to plan on doing this in a lot of the local communities. Most of it's the same. The DEA is picking up basically the same stuff in the police department. Mm-hmm. But at least we can focus in on, you know, if it's going to be Carrollton, we'll focus in on Carrollton and get that same information out. Because right now people are dying from, people are being poisoned by fentanyl. Brett died from an overdose of drugs. He he bought heroin. He also he basically died from um, accidental overdose, and it was Xanax and heroin. And when you take Xanax after, like more than prescribed, mm-hmm. um, the high you forget. And it's one of the great things that it's actually a pretty cool drug for parents to understand because you could ask your child something, they'll answer it, and if you ask them the same question like three minutes later, they won't remember that you asked them because the drug makes them forget.
1: Wow. You mentioned Xanax. So, you know what? I hear in a lot of songs nowadays, a lot of, you know, songs of pop music. They talk about Xanax or they talk about Percocet.
4: Yeah. Percocet are every day, Every guy in on it's like the It's like the drugs of choice
1: of Percocet, Xanax, and Molly, which is uh, ecstasy. Ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Which is scary because that's coming in from China. Yeah. And and it's all synthetic. So we have no idea
1: how powerful it is. is. Yeah,
4: exactly. Well, and the Percocets that are coming up, they're coming in and there's huge amounts of them that have been laced with fentanyl. And we lost a lot of people. We're losing a lot of people on those Percocets. Mm
3: hmm.
1: So you were mentioning the, the documentary and the DEA and the, the different groups of the, let's talk about this documentary. It's called not me. You just guys, you guys just released it a couple of weeks ago. Can you talk about what not me is about and why this sure. is actually a, a good get together for people to learn more about, you know, drug addiction?
4: Sure. So again, we go back to the education. So in, in 2014, my board kind of sat down and said, okay, what can we do for education that the kids will listen? And so we decided to do a documentary. And so we had $10,000. And so we went to a producer and told them what we wanted to do. And they said, oh, my gosh, that's a great idea. We will give you $10,000 worth of our work as well. So we're looking at $20,000. And I'm like, I was so excited. And then he said, and that will get you about four to six minutes. And I'm like, whoa. But then I realized that's cool because four to six minutes, we could actually you know, pull it apart into like two-minute increments and throw it everywhere. Mm-hmm. As it turned out, we had 26 hours of film, wow. 26 hours. And what we did was we pulled in four youth that were in recovery and then four parents that had gone through the journey. Two of the parents, one was myself and one was another uh, friend of mine, Leslie, and she and I both lost our children, our sons. But um, the other two parents still had, you know, they're still on that journey. So anyhow, we did this 26 hours and we came out with Not Me on for International Overdose Awareness Day of 2014. So August 31st of 2014. And we did a huge showing a local showing at Flower Mound High School, which the auditorium holds about, I don't know, a thousand people-ish. And we had like 680 people there. Nice. And everybody loved it. Everybody absolutely loved it. And the film ended up being about 45 minutes long. So then everybody said, oh, you need to make this better. You need to go back because we didn't even get our B roll film and Mm -hmm. we ran out of time. Mm -hmm. So they said make it better. And so we did. We went and raised another $50,000 and worked on the film to put it into film festival so we could sell it. And that way we could distribute it easier. It won a film festival, but nobody bought it. So we kind of sat on it and it was too long. It was like 90 minutes and there was kind of a lot of drug use in it and Mm -hmm. just a lot, the typical. And so we kind of sat on that, and then um, last year, we decided to pull that back out, and I I shut it down to 45 minutes. We just kept pulling stuff out that wasn't good for schools and churches to see, so we pulled it all out, and then we renamed it Just Once. And so we just came out with Just Once, and that's what we're showing now to communities, as well as using it for a lot of court programs. It's a great, it's a great documentary.
1: That is fantastic. Is, yeah. So, so when so is the next time it's going to be seen? Can you give us an update on on what's com- coming up the next, you know, few weeks or the next month or so?
4: Um, we're working with Carrollton right now. Um, the outer part of Carrollton and the colony. Um, Cause I want to do the program with police and DEA so that they, we know what's happening in the community and the parents can actually come see the film. Cause the film, Ashley, it's really good for families to watch mm-hmm. anybody 11 and up to watch this film because it opens up the conversation.
3: Yes. When people
4: leave after seeing the film, when they leave, they're in the car talking about it. Yes. And it's, you know, we have red ribbon. We coming up the schools, you know, they're, they're putting socks on to kick, uh, you know, they do weird things, but they don't teach about the drugs. Yeah. And if we don't teach our kids. If we don't give our kids correct information, I mean, literally correct information, because our kids are really smart. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can get it out of Google really fast. Mm -hmm. If we don't give them the correct information and we kind of side skirt it, they're not going to buy into it. You know, when people say drugs kill you, well, you know what? I have a ton of friends that smoke pot and they don't die. Mm -hmm. And that's how they think. Mm -hmm. So why we have to show them, okay, when you smoke pot, this is what happens to your brain you get pockets in your brain. <laughs> or if you do ecstasy, it actually heats up your body, and you could literally die from fire, literally your your organs overheat, and you cook up your organs. They don't get that. They're never told that. Well,
1: that's They're why. they just
4: told, oh, take some ecstasy, and man. you'll dance and love somebody.
1: Well, that's why I'm glad we had you on the show. We're talking with Kathy O'Keefe. She is the CEO of WTFWinInTheFight.org, a nonprofit that provides drug education, support, and necessary resources to youth and families that suffer from disease of addiction. Hey, Kathy, you've got to pop on the show again soon.
4: Oh, I would love that. I would absolutely love that.
1: We've got to make sure the word gets out.
4: We do, especially with fentanyl. I mean, this is... Yeah, this fentanyl
1: is, is, is huge. In fact, this that's what... Accidental overdose of fentanyl is what killed Tom Petty and Prince.
4: Yes. And killing people, like, on a daily basis, it is really bad. And it, it's not like an overdose. This is literally, people are purchasing drugs, not purchasing, if they'll buy cocaine and get fentanyl into cocaine and die from the fentanyl. So they do not know that they're buying this. Therefore, it is now considered poisoning, murder by poisoning.
1: Wow. Hey, Kathy, thank you again for joining us. We're going to have you on real soon. We've got to. I'm Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you for joining me. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations and individuals doing great things here in our community right here on Better
0: Living. So long, everybody. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet